BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. It's Friday, October 16th. Look, before we get started, a quick programming note. President Trump's going to be holding a rally soon in Ocala, Florida. We're going to have full coverage on our website. That's americasvoice.news, so you can go check it out there. As for us today, we're talking about those dueling town halls. There was Joe Biden and ABC's George Stephanopoulos casually talking like a fireside chat with hot cocoa and cookies. It was like Muzak could have been playing behind them. And then over on NBC, boom, you had President Trump, Savannah Guthrie. It was like some heavy metal concert complete with guitar smashing. It was the polar opposite. And by the way, how about the buzz this morning about uh, this woman in the back? She's being called the nodding lady, a black woman in the background behind Trump nodding in approval about everything that he said last night. She's gone viral. We're going to talk with her on the show today. But first to our newsmaker, I want to bring in Biden surrogate and the former mayor of Baltimore, Stephanie Rawlings Black, uh, Blake. Excuse me, Stephanie, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Happy Friday. You too. You too, Stephanie. Hey, so compare and contrast the town halls last night. Uh, what, what was your sense uh, after watching both candidates? I think you pretty much summed it up. Uh, it was <laughs> a very heated uh, debate uh, with Savannah Guthrie, who I think uh, was asking the tough questions. And, um, you know, even though I think it was a slight, uh, someone said that it was uh, the, it was the Biden um, town hall was like watching Mr. Rogers. But, you know, what I know about Mr. Rogers is he's got a lifetime achievement award and, and seemed to have won the uh, ratings last night. So I, I think uh, America looked like they were looking for a calmer, uh, version of the presidency moving forward. Stephanie, I've got to ask you about the enthusiasm. We hear a lot about how there's so much enthusiasm for Trump, though the polls aren't showing that. And the polls are showing Biden could win this thing in a landslide. I'm curious about the enthusiasm for Biden, because I don't get a sense that it's about enthusiasm for Biden as much as it is maybe enthusiasm to get, to get Trump out of office ASAP. You know, I, I think there's probably a little bit of both. Um, but I think what you saw last night was Vice President Biden really connecting with people on a personal level, um, talking about the things that they care about the most. And when you see that and when you feel that, uh, that's why people are willing to stand in line at the polls for hours and hours, uh, because uh, they know that we can have better. And that is uh, that's certainly possible uh, with uh, the Biden-Harris uh, ticket. Are you suggesting as it relates to mail-in voting, and forget, forget mail-in voting for a moment, just people we're seeing in line, it's record turnout so far. Are you suggesting that that would be a boon for Democrats? Is that, is that your sense that that's what's going to happen because of the, of the people that are standing in line? Because people aren't sure if that's for Republicans or Democrats, but it does seem like that means it's good news for Democrats. What's your take? Well, I have not seen all of the coverage, uh, but what I have seen and what I have heard is the areas where there's extensive uh, turnout, 
those are very heavily democratic areas. And um, I think I feel very good. I know that what that shows to me is uh, that we're not taking anything for granted that we want the Democrats want our votes counted. We want to make sure that they're counted. And, um, you know, we see what the polls say, but we understand the most important poll is when you get your vote cast. I've got to ask you about the African-American vote and Biden. I mean, there's been story after story that Trump could do better among uh, African-Americans, especially African-American males. Uh, what, what's the response to what you've been seeing out there? Because this is some of the reporting. I, I don't mean from campaign sources. I, I just I mean, this is literally what we're seeing uh, in terms of some of the facts on the ground. No, I, I think anyone would be foolish to take away from President Trump uh, his share of uh, the African-American vote. Uh, there are African-Americans across the country who um, who support uh, President Trump and will continue to support him. Uh, that being said, what I've seen is really decisive outreach, particularly to African-American men who really know what they have to lose under a an, another four years of Trump. You know, it's, it is... Uh, interesting to me that uh, our president wants to tout his uh, undeniable economic accomplishments uh, and then say to African-American voters and African-American male voters uh, that, you know, basically, you, sh- you know, I'm the best I'm the best president since uh, Lincoln. But when you block uh, efforts to ensure that African-Americans can you know, go to work freely without fear. Uh, I think it, it, it does cause many pause um, that, you know, yes, we like a good economy, but we'd like to know that we'll be safe. And, and when um, there has been uh, excessive force or a, a questionable death at police hands, that our president would have our back. And we haven't seen that. Hmm. Is there some acknowledgement about criminal justice reform? I mean, he did, he did, Signed, signed it into law. I mean, it's something that he pushed for, Jared Kushner pushed for, Van Jones was even part of that effort. Uh, what, what is your sense about criminal justice reform? Because that's been talked about for a long time, but he did get that done, and that seems to be significant. Yeah, the uh, Republican, under the Obama-Biden uh, administration, the Republicans made it very clear that they did not want him to have one success. They wanted to do everything they could to block him moving forward. So his efforts for uh, criminal justice reform were blunted by a a Congress and particularly a Senate that um, did not want to uh, allow President Obama to shine and to to do the things that he knew that he could do to make our country better. I will say that uh, with the the Republican-led Senate, uh, President Trump took the opportunity took the opportunity, and I think it was a Republican-led, yeah, Republican-led Senate, uh, took the opportunity to push forward criminal justice reform, and no one could take that away from him. Uh, But to suggest that he did it when no one else could, uh, without acknowledging it was the uh, Republicans in the Senate that that stopped criminal justice before, I think, is is a uh, disservice and, and a revision of history. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I, I really do, because uh, I remember the history on that for sure. Hey, Stephanie, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, law and order. Uh, that is obviously kind of a contour. I mean, COVID-19 obviously is a, is a huge contour, the number one contour. But there, but, but, but there is that law and order that Donald Trump wants to, um, 
you know, keep on talking about. And Joe Biden and the Democrats didn't really talk about this at all at their convention. As a matter of fact, they, they didn't talk about it. Uh, but now Joe Biden is talking about it a little bit more. Uh, do, do you think there is an inroad at all for the president here uh, to, to talk about that? Because I know people ultimately want to feel like they're safe. So the, the president consistently uses coded language. Uh, so when he talks about um, law and order, what a lot of African-Americans hear is, I will support the police no matter what happens, no matter if you rough them up, rough, rough us up. Um, as uh, When you arrest us, the president has said, don't worry about it, rough them up. I'll pay your bail money. Um, when, when confronted with, um, with tragic uh, circumstances of deaths of uh, African-Americans at the hand of the police, he, uh, he can't skip over it fast enough uh, then to start talking about law and order, which, is, which again is code for uh, police, let me explain to you, I will have your back. And that leaves many communities feeling unsafe unprotected, like second-class citizens. So, you know, the, the Democratic Party, African-Americans across the country, you know, everyone, they want to have safe communities. But when uh, when President Trump starts talking about safe communities, that's, you know, that I think will be welcomed. When he's using this coded language, that means that he is, he will continue to overlook um, the injustice uh, and the, um, the the tragic deaths of African Americans uh, at the hands of the police. You know, I don't think he's going to gain um, many um, new voters with with that line. Yeah, I definitely think that is uh, an, an area where he's more than vulnerable for sure. Uh, what about the difference between some of uh, most of I shouldn't say some of most of the peaceful protests we have seen from the Black Lives Matter movement and then some of what we've seen from Antifa and, and honestly some of the the Black Lives Matter, maybe not uh, organization, but the, the movement itself is there's been some protests there that have gotten out of hand. Uh, how do you what do you tell folks in terms of uh, what they need to understand between uh, the peaceful protests and what's going on when they're throwing statues into, uh, you know, Baltimore Harbor, for example. So I know uh, better than most uh, what happens when right. there are, um, you know, peaceful protests and the lawful expression of your First Amendment rights and when that turns into destruction. Um, you know, we, we experienced it here in Baltimore and um, the, the I've, I said then, I continue to say, um, when we allow uh, for destruction, because just like now, you know, people are saying it's Antifa or this group or that group, what I know with, with my own eyes is that people who aren't from our community come into our community to cause chaos, to cause destruction. Um, that's what we saw in Baltimore, and that's what I know is happening in, in these other cities. And when that happens and when the community does not step forward, I, mean, I was blessed. I had pastors. I had community leaders. I had other elected yeah. officials who stood up to them and said, listen, not in our name. And uh, honestly, with, with uh, Freddie Gray's family that said not in his name. This destruction is not in his name, and we need to do more of that because um, no one wins. Uh, when it's that level of destruction um, and the communities that are left behind are really left suffering. Very well said. By the way, I got 10 seconds left, Stephanie. A quick prediction on Joe Biden in 2020. Going to win this thing in a landslide? Close? What do you think? 
Ten seconds. I think <laughs> I, it will definitely be closer than we think. Uh, I I do believe that he will win based on what we're seeing, and I pray mm -hmm. that our president respects our country yeah. and the will of the people enough that we will have a peaceful transfer of power and continue to run. be a beacon. Thanks, Stephanie. Got to run. See you next time. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Well, look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if you are a Bible-believing conservative Christian in this country, your values are under attack. The fallout from COVID-19 has definitely shown that when it comes to religious liberty, especially the government in many liberal places has shown that those rights are non-essential. And there's a big national event this weekend to address all of that. More on that is one of the organizers right now joining me, someone I've known for a while, Kirk Cameron. Kirk, great to see you. Hey, David, great to see you too. Thanks so much for uh, having me on and, and letting me tell everybody about non-essential. You bet. Well, let's start about it. Non-essential, obviously, I think the title says it all, but give us some details about what's happening this weekend. So non-essential is a play on words. We live in California where the governor has uh, deemed it non-essential for us to go into church and worship God. In fact, I have friends in Idaho who went outside their church in order to sing Amazing Grace in four-part harmony, holding their hymnals, and their hands were put into handcuffs. Our essential freedoms and our Christian way of life is definitely under attack. We see the loss of the freedom of speech. We see the loss of the freedom of religion and ability to worship all around the world. But our country is special that way. We're founded on these essential freedoms given to us by God. And the concern is, is that this is going to get worse and worse as we relinquish our rights and our freedoms uh, and God begins to be replaced by a giant government power uh, it does, it, it, bad, bad things start to happen in the nation. So a bunch of us are getting together. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza, Charlie Kirk, Sissy Graham Lynch, uh, Danny Gokey, Pastor Jack Hibbs, and Rob McCoy, frontline American doctor, Dan Erickson, uh, David Harris Jr., and others. We're going to be talking about the reality of what is going on in America, try to dispel some of the fears that are paralyzing many of us from uh, living out our Christian lives and then talk about what the real threats are, what the real concern is, because we're staring into the abyss. And on November 3rd, we're gonna go one of two directions in this nation. And we want people to be fully informed. So we want them to, to, uh, to tune in and watch non-essential. Well, Kirk, what's interesting and what's ironic here is that I'd like you to explain a little bit about where you're going to be, <laughs> where you're going to be holding this event. Because in California, uh, trying to hold a church service indoors has been extremely controversial and now deemed, I guess, illegal at, at, in portions in certain counties in California and maybe around the state, depending on where you are. So explain the, the venue for this, because that, that's interesting in and of itself. So the venue of this is a big church here in, in Southern California. It's uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs Church, and there's going to be 2,500 people who are who are enthusiastically, gratefully um, uh, excited to come together to to speak to one another in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs and sing and make music in our hearts to the Lord inside the church in California. 
And this will be broadcast out on Facebook Live to the rest of the nation and the world uh, as we bring solutions to the table and talk about uh, how we live as Christians in a constitutional republic like the United States of America. Yeah, it's really fascinating to know that there are certain churches, obviously out in California, Ron McCoy is one of them at a Calvary Chapel uh, near you out there who basically, you know, define, I say define, he says he's not defined court orders because he's really not. He's he's obeying, you know, what's in the Bible uh, to worship freely, obviously, and in the Constitution. But uh, I want to ask you a little bit about, you mentioned God and government, and I think you've kind of hit on all of this. Where are we going as a society specifically? Because it does seem like for many people, government has become their God rather than God being God. Well, as a, as a father of six kids, I, I, I pay attention to what my kids are learning in history classes. And one of the things you find out is that government always tries to play God throughout history. And you, you if you move towards socialism, although that's been a, a trendy a little bit today, um, History says that socialism is a very, very bad thing. It always inevitably leads to a totalitarian government system where all of your freedoms are taken away, your freedom to worship, your freedom uh, to defend yourself, to work and provide for your family, uh, freedom of speech. These are all the things that we treasure in our country. And uh, we need good people who love God and who love their neighbor, who value the life of the unborn, who value our religious liberties to go Uh, be in leadership positions like Amy uh, Barrett in the Supreme Court. Uh, Quality people, smart thinking people who have a faith in God, who fear the Lord and love their neighbor. Uh, This is the right blending of faith and government is a faith informed conscience, uh, a faith faith informed lifestyle in your neighbor, positions of leadership so that we can uh, expect blessing and protection from God for our children and our grandchildren. You go the other way and it, and it leads toward destruction. Well, you mentioned the other way and then earlier you said staring into the abyss. What does that abyss look like, Kirk? Where, where is this potentially heading? What are some of your concerns? I mean, already we're seeing churches, you know, under penalty of law for worshiping. Where could this go? What, what's some of the, the real tangible concerns uh, looking into the crystal ball, if you, if you will? Well, uh, you, you don't need to be a, a genie with a crystal ball to, to look at where things like this go. You just look around the world and then you, we can look into the rearview mirror of history. And we see places like mm-hmm. Venezuela and, and Cuba and we see other places uh, that are now in such terrible decline because of the form of government. And, and frankly, I think we get the form of government that, um, that reflects our, our view of God. And so if God is non-essential, then then we look to government to be our protector and our provider. And, and history demonstrates that when uh, an all-powerful authority like a government uh, is able to make all of the decisions for your healthcare and your education and your economy and your worship, uh, that goes south, that goes downhill really, really quickly. So we know where this would go. And that's why our founders said that our republic, our constitution was made for a holy, religious, and moral people. Without that, we're cooked because it's all about governing ourselves, not being governed by a king. It's, uh, we're citizens, not subjects of a king. We're citizens, which means co-kings. We're here to right. self-govern under the, the, the rule of God. If we do that, we can remain free.
If we don't, we'll be in bondage. For Cameron, we've got about 10 seconds or so left. Just give me the final details as to when people can see this, where people can see this. Just go to nonessential.live, nonessential.live, and uh, RSVP, and I'll send you an email link so that you won't miss a thing. It's Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, nonessential.live. Phenomenal. Kirk Cameron, great to see you as always. Love to have you back. Coming up, we've got so much show, I can't even explain. Back in a moment. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back, everybody, to the water cooler. Uh, look, you know what? I know Donald Trump, always the star of the show, but there was another star last night. Let's be honest. She didn't mean to be a star, but let's roll some of this video because in the back of Donald Trump, take a look. There is uh, Myra Jolie. Look at her shaking her head and giving the thumbs up. She was shaking her head all night, a big Trump supporter, and everybody couldn't stop talking about her on Twitter. Look at another, another thumbs up. <laughs> Well, anyhow, she stole the show, just nodding in support on every single thing that Donald Trump said. And guess what? We found her. She's down there in the Florida area. Myra Jolie joins us now here on the water cooler. Myra, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, my goodness, you know, not every day that you go viral, but there you were. Uh, going viral, uh, shaking your head and giving the big thumbs up to the president. T tell me a little bit about how you got in there to begin with, into the debate, and what the process was that like. Like, how did that all happen? Well, it was it was very easy. The process. Uh, we, my my friend and I, we got there at five in the afternoon. There was no lines, no checkup. Uh, uh, we asked the police. We saw everything was so so flowing that we thought we were in the right, wrong place. And then we just, we went there and we were, uh, there were two ladies that were standing there just waiting for the doors to open at, at 6.30. Um, they were giving masks, they were uh, doing the temp temperature checkup, and uh, they were, you know, everybody was, was in their best behavior, I would say. Very, very, uh, very uniform, very polite, very organized. Uh, it was nice. It was nice. It's not the first time that I am an event that um, involved the president, vice president. I've been supporting him since the beginning of times. And um, I was supporting him before. Supporting him was in fashion. I've got to ask you, so how, how do you get a, an, a, an invitation to an event like that? Because they said there were going to be Trump supporters, Biden supporters, and people that were undecided. How, do, you, do you have to apply to get in? How does this work exactly? Well, I am friends of um, um, a, a lady who's running for, for a state congress in Florida. Her name is Ileana Garcia. Ileana Garcia was approached by a, a Switzerland um, reported or magazine in which they were they wanted to be part of a Trumpila. Trumpila, the Trump parade when all the boats are going, um, um, you know, doing some sort of caravan in the water. So uh, what uh, Ileana Garcia called, put this, this, this lady and these people, this journalist from Switzerland in contact with me because 
she's running so she cannot be doing it. And she, you know, always been so graceful. And then she passed me uh, the interviews that she can go to. So, and I'm, you know, I'm, I, I, I love doing it. So the, the people wanted to go to uh, my husband and I, we have a boat. So we were going to take the boat in the water. We live in the water. It was easy for us. And then they asked for friends to be there. So I got three of my friends and we went to the, to the, to the parade, but also Ileana Garcia con put me on contact with somebody from NBC or something that they were, you know, looking for people to attend the Trump um, um, town hall. And they wanted people to ask questions. So they were, they were trying to really know what questions they were gonna pick to ask uh, the president. And then at the end, none of my questions were, 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 you know, selected because probably my questions were very simple. I, you know, one of my, the questions were um, that Mr. President, when he came down the escalator, he told his son, uh, Don Jr., now we're going to see who our friends are. And I was going to yes. ask uh, Mr. President, President Donald Trump, if he really found out who the friends were. But you know that that question was maybe sure. too much of a softball. But I ended up having the best seat of the house. I probably, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't meant to be for me to ask a question to the president because my presence apparently behind him, I I felt like telling him, and I did tell him, I I got you back. Right. By the way, did that did they know you were a Trump supporter? Like, in other words, where did they put you behind him? But did they know? Like, how did you know to sit right there? What did they do? Just said sit there? Or how did that work? Well, I don't think they 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 by the looks, the way I look, maybe they thought I may be a non-supporter because you know how it is. I mean, <laughs> we we Martin Luther King said. I want our, our people, the people to be judged by the content of their characters and not the color of, of their skin. But still, right. you know, it was a good optic to, optic to have a black woman sitting behind for some, you know, for some for some reason. So they switched me uh, with the lady who was uh, sitting in that chair. And maybe because I was too tall, that's what we were getting at. My, my friend and I, maybe you were too tall for the screen, and then maybe yeah. that will, you, that's why you were switched. Maybe, or maybe not. Things that happen for a reason, and that was a very good reason. So whomever had that right decision, I applaud them because they did a good job, apparently. I love it. I have a couple minutes left, maybe a little less, but uh, uh, Myra, I want to ask you specifically about uh, when you heard that you were going viral and everybody was talking about you. What was your reaction, and how did you hear about it? I hear about it because my husband was at home and all of his, uh, he's, a, he's an American, white American, Marine, an attorney, as American as you can have. And, and all his American friends, uh, they were, you know, they were sending him messages about it, about, you know, your wife is, she's in the back of, what's, what's happening? Is that Myra? <laughs> That's what happened. So, you know, um, it, it, it happens like that. And after one thing led to the other in my 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 friends were calling and then you know one of my good friends and Lisa Gonzalez and Lisa Gonzalez uh brother-in-law called one of the producers say I know that yeah. lady behind and one thing led to the other and people were viral but let me tell you I'm a good cook too 
And I did a Goya video in which I was showing when one of those times that they were trying to boycott Goya and I was so upset because I don't want nobody to mess with my kitchen. I'm a good cook and I make dinner almost yeah. every night. So I was showing people what is really to make a sazon to marinate a chicken, a chicken or a meat vis-a-vis <laughs> but... -vis Goya. So that right. video went 800,000 views. So, you know, I have my pretty good share of what it is, the simple life going viral. Well, Myra, I really appreciate you joining us here. Boy, you have sent uh, the world, set a world on flyer a little bit with NBC News must be going crazy. So I appreciate you uh, coming on and we will, we'll have you, we've got to have you back at some point. Thanks again, Myra. All right. Uh, we've got a lot more on the show, including Kirk Cameron. You remember him if you're like over 50. Come on. I mean, he was a teen heartthrob. Still a pretty good looking guy. And he's got a lot to say about Christian American men. Welcome back, everybody, to The Water Cooler. All right, when you think of Washington, D.C., you think of a lot of things. I mean, bureaucracy, the nation's capital, America, nice statues, government, and, yes, the swamp, of course. Well, this weekend, it's going to be the scene of a constitutional march, part of a five-city Freedom USA tour organized by the group 1776 Forever Free. And joining me now in studio is the co-founder of the organization, Dr. Cordy Williams. Dr. Williams, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on, David. It's an honor. Well, tell me. Uh, talk to me about what's going to happen this weekend. What should we expect? Well, uh, we're going to be gathering um, about 12 o'clock tomorrow at the National Monument. From, uh, and basically from 12 to 1, we're going to march around the White House. We're going straight into the hornet's nest, yeah. so to speak, yeah, down, down 8th Street. Right, which mm -hmm. is uh, now that that oh, very Black Lives Matter place. oh yeah, the very conservative, loving mayor that cares about patriotic values and all that. She's that person, kinda, yes. Yeah, that person, right? Um, yeah, I was just saying, you know, I think before we came on air, I, I think that literally my my child's uh, fourth year uh, four year old birthday party mm -hmm. had more people than all the people at the Sleepy Joe rallies. Um, if it, like even if you take the, the rallies for the last 15 months, yeah. but uh, we're going to go down 8th Street mm -hmm. and then we'll come back around on 15th and then we'll end up at the Ellipse and we'll we've got probably about five or six amazing speakers like Joy Villa, Yon right. uh, Farrow, Crystal Tini. Uh, just a host of amazing speakers. It's going to be a good time. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, not just the point of the march, but it really is kind of the DNA of the march is the Constitution, right? I mean, t talk to us about the constitutional rights and being under attack, especially in today's society. Well, sir, you know, like bottom line, yeah. I just got tired of feeling pressed up against the wall um, with this whole COVID thing if you want to call it that. That's what and, it is. Uh, like, it's gotten interesting, right? With mm -hmm. one day we mask, one day you don't mask, and then there's this arbitrary distance that evidently the virus is can infect us right now because you and I are six feet away. Yeah, apparently it's good. Maybe if we we're five and a half, it might be different. Yeah, right. right. Or like 5.3, 6.2, who knows? Right. You know, but it's it was, arbitrary. A lot of it's been arbitrary. You're not quite sure what to do exactly. Exactly. And then they change their mind all the time. And, that, but, and then in the first time in epidemiological history, you have this arbitrary six-foot distance in these facial diapers that you wear, and then everybody's okay, evidently. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, mm -hmm. um, we're basically yeah. just going to be talking about um, constitutional freedom for everybody. We don't care what you worship. We don't care what color your skin is. We just care, do you, are, do you want red, white, and blue? And do you want your kids to be able to stand for the flag? And do you want them to actually be able to recognize America mm -hmm. 10 or 15 years from now? And right now, I think that's a big question that in order to, to have those values that you and I were raised with, mm -hmm. um, we got to start fighting. 
And I th that's the whole purpose of these rallies, and that's why Chris Lippy and I, that's why we founded 1776 Forever Free. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about that organization. Well, that's, that you kind of said the overall point of it, but what are you hoping to do within the organization to, in terms of awareness and other things? Yeah, well, our goal is we want to get people excited at these rallies, but bottom line, after they're excited, we also want to get them active. Um, I really see that, that that silent majority that's out there um, can be mobilized. I mean, I have friends that are, that are now never, don't have any political experience at all, but now they're jumping into politics. They're jumping into their local government. They're getting involved in city council. And that's what we want to do. We want people, whether you're a soccer mom, um, which is, in my opinion, is the most important job in the world, right? Or whether you're a service member, whether you're a teacher, whatever your, whatever your trade is, we want you to know that we want you to become a politician. We want you to say, you know what? These local city and state governments these mayors, these city councils, look what happened under COVID. With all the restrictions where you had some states where men and women were standing up saying, you know what, we're not doing this in our neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. And then you had others that just kind of laid down and allowed it to happen. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what it's about. We want to motivate, move, touch, and inspire, but then we want people to get out and act and get involved. Yeah, well, I would think a big part of that is education. I mean, it just seems like we're, we're just not very much of an informed citizenry as we used to be back in the Black Robe Regiment days and the Revolutionary War days. It just seems like we're kind of lax in that area, especially with the Gen Zers and the Millennials out there. 100%, David. I totally agree with that. I yeah. think that you're right. Like, in most places, this is just a mask mandate. These are mandates. They're not laws. But as patriots, we're being asked to do it and now's the time where I think conservatives like you and I, really freedom fighters, you've been doing it way longer than I have, way longer than I have. I think it's time that we, we kind of stood up and said, you know what, enough is enough. I'm not going to let you do that in my neck of the woods. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to fight back. And I think there's a peaceful way to do that. And that's what 1776 is all about. So we're going around the country, the nation. We're not going to stop after this freedom tour ends. In fact, I've got a book I'm launching um, called 1776 Forever Free divided to united a patriot's journey it's going to be about solutions about what our forefathers did and about what you can do now to really move the needle on freedom california you're from i guess california now uh yeah well i well i'm an alabama boy right but but i live in adolph newsom's uh Newsom. nation there like yeah. i guess the nation the nation that he governs communistly over right well i was going to say i mean they that's off the reservation out there. I mean, what, what in the world? I mean, the church, we, we've been following the church situation out there, but it's not just churches. I mean, which is kind of funny. They want to have electric cars by 2035, apparently, in California. They can't even figure out the power, the rolling blackouts. But anyhow, that's a whole, a whole separate issue. What do you make of what's happening in California? And, and what do you do specifically? I'm curious for yourself when it comes to masks, because, you know, you've got to go to a grocery store, CVS. I mean, they want you to wear the mask. You can't go in. So what do you do? I mean, you don't want to do it from a constitutional standpoint, but... There's these mandates. So how do you handle all of that? Well, that's a great question, David. And, um, you know, it's an honor to be here with you. Like, honestly, honestly, because, um, you know, just looking back with, with everything you've done to move the needle on freedom, you know, I just kind of looked around, like a lot of Americans, felt backed up against the wall, and, and I thought about my kids. I got a four-year-old, I got a two-year-old, um, and just kind of looking at what was happening. Um, when my video went viral and I got about 15 million hits, I started to say, I can sit on the sidelines or I can fight back. With the masking thing, I mean, honestly, for myself, I, I just go in and I tell folks and I tell businesses, I said, hey, I know it's not your rule, but I'm not going to put on a mask. Constitution says I don't have to. 
I've got a medical exemption that says I don't have to, mm -hmm. and this is a mandate. Well, how, so, what do they say to that? Well, you, you know, I get resistance. I'm sure, not going to say I don't. It's not easy, mm -hmm. but um, sometimes it, 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 it does get, there are intense moments for defending it. But a lot of times I just walk in now, walk right past whoever. I go to what I want, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm buying groceries or milk or whatever, right? I'll go in, I'll go to that section. If somebody comes up to me, I'll be like, I'm going to buy this milk, and I promise you, in the next three minutes, you won't get the COVID virus and die. You're going to survive, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And, and I just say it in a loving way that way. Right. And also for small businesses, I try to just tell them, I said, hey, with this medical exemption letter that I have, mm -hmm. you're protected. The ADA, you're protected by ADA and OSHA regulations around, around masking. A lot of yeah. people don't know that. Well, listen, Dr. Cordy Williams, I appreciate you being here. Good luck with the march this weekend. Thanks, David. Really appreciate it. It's That's an great. honor. Good for you. All right. When we come back, uh, Savannah Guthrie, I mean, don't get me started. Well, actually, get me started because after the break, I'm going to get started with talking a little bit about the Trump Town Hall, which, I, by the way, should have been probably titled a national town hall with Savannah Guthrie, the way it was. Chloe Gavolt, back in a moment. Time now for the last sip back here on the water cooler. Uh, how about Samantha Guthrie last night? Look, I've known her for a while. NBC News, right? Knock yourself out, the Today Show. Uh, hey, I, I don't even know where to begin with Savannah Guthrie. It was like a national town hall with Savannah Guthrie, not Donald Trump. I mean, she look, it's one thing to have it's one thing to have assertive questioning. But this was over the top. Have a look. There's no one that says you can't be out there, but it's just about wearing masks and having, for example, your but rallies. Your rallies As don't require example, masks. No, I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question? Do you feel, it feels sometimes you're hesitant to do so. Like you hesitant. wait a bit. Here we go again. Let me ask you about QAnon. It is this theory that uh, Democrats are a satanic pedophile ring and that you are the savior of that. Now, can you just once and for all state that that is completely not true so and disavow QAnon yeah. in its entirety? I know nothing about QAnon. I just told I you. I know very little. You told me, but what you tell me doesn't necessarily make it fact. I hate to say that. I know nothing about it. I do know they are very much against uh, pedophilia. They fight it very hard, but I know nothing they about it. They believe it, it is if a satanic like call run by the deep state. The subject, I'll tell you what I do know about. I know about Antifa, and I know about the radical left, and I know how violent they are and how vicious they are, and I know how they're burning down cities run by Democrats, not run Republican by Republicans. Republican Senator Ben Sass said, quote, QAnon is nuts, and real leaders call conspiracy theories conspiracy theories. He may be Why right. not just say it's crazy and not true? He may be right. I just don't know about QAnon. You do know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. You Let me tell ask me you another thing. It. Let's waste the whole show. Uh, you start off with white supremacy, I denounce it. You start off with something else, let's go. Keep asking me these questions. Okay. I but, do have one let, more let in me this just, Let me just tell you, what I do hear about it is they are very strongly against pedophilia. And I agree with that. I mean, I do agree okay. with that, and I agree but with it But there's not a satanic uh, pedophile called no they run idea. by. I know you nothing about that. You don't know that? Okay. No, I don't know you that. You just and this week. do you know that. Okay. That, that was pathetic. It's one thing to have aggressive questioning. It's another thing to be condescending with an attitude. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, she was like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. What was that? It's like Rachel Maddow walked into her office before and said, hey, Savannah, you know, lower the boom. Uh, you know, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, hey, Savannah, go after him here. I mean, and Savannah Guthrie was like, yes, whatever you say, NBC, I'll do whatever you want. It was pathetic.
We're back in a moment. Well, you know, look, there's been a lot of talk about Trump versus Biden, and rightly so. But what about the balance of power in the Senate? That's a big freaking deal. That's right. I said freaking. With more on that, let's bring in just the new senior correspondent, Nick Ballasay. Hey, Nick, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, David. All right. So what's the lay of the land in the Senate at this point? I mean, Dems, they, they think they have a real shot at taking this thing back, right? They do. And there are some organizations that do... Uh, polling who are saying that it's very likely the Democrats could take it back. We've got Ted Cruz saying that if the Democrats win the White House, they're also going to win the Senate. If the Republicans win the White House, they're also going to take the majority or keep the majority in the Senate. But look, I mean, when it comes to timing on the uh, campaign trail, uh, the Republicans have been really tied up. Republicans who are in some tough races tied up on the Hill with the confirmation process uh, for Barrett. And then there's also some things McConnell wants to do before the election, like a stimulus bill, a $500 mm-hmm. billion dollar coronavirus stimulus package. These things are going to take time away from the senators who are locked in tough races uh, in, the, uh, in their home state. So they're taken away from their campaign time. By the way, speaking of some tough races, I mean, they're, they're like defending terrain everywhere uh, across this country. I mean, Tom Tillis has got a race, Joni Ernst as well, uh, Susan Collins, we know about her. What about Cory Gardner? I mean, that, that doesn't look good out there either. What's your sense of wh- where, where, where is he and what's going on in terms of that race? Yeah, that's a race that is a toss-up. I mean, it looks like it could go either way and privately – Mitch McConnell is warning GOP leaders that uh, the Democrats are on fire. When you look at their fundraising totals, look at the fundraising that's going on in South Carolina against Lindsey Graham. It's like over $50 million was the recent reporting of uh, the amount of money that his challenger is raising. But, you know, it remains to be seen, though, if this confirmation process is going to help energize the Republican base more than the Democratic yeah. base, because the Democrats are pretty angry that they didn't get Merrick Garland on the court, yeah. you know, at the end of the Obama presidency. But then again, Supreme Court picks Got do it. energize the Republican base, too. So we'll see. Well, Nick, I appreciate it. Keep on hustling out there, boy, you and your camera. You got that whole thing down pat getting those politicians. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Uh, on Monday on the big show, Sean Spicer will be here. Look, we have guests galore. Don't play with us. As we say, we ain't playing. Have a great weekend. See you Monday.